Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and I thought I would show you my cool jacket this morning as we got started. Uh, this was my Letterman jacket from high school, and I wanted to show you this patch right there. 1993, our football team did something it hadn't done in a long time. It won a game. <laughs> Seriously. We won a game after five years of losing. We lost 49 games in a row. And I remember when it happened because I was on the bench watching it. And, uh, and, and the fans, cle- I mean, the stands cleared, the fans stormed the field. It was pretty amazing because, well, we won a game. Now, fast forward to my senior year, and we won homecoming for the first time in 15 years. Seven to six. They missed their extra point. We made ours. Here's my point. We were horrible. (laughs) I mean, we had a tradition at our school uh, in football of just being, just being bad. We had bad coaching. We didn't have good athletes. We had small guys like me that got to play some. Uh, We just weren't very good. Have you ever been part of a team like that? Not very good. On the other side, have you ever been part of a team that's a good team? A good team, and a good team is one who has some skilled players but really knows how to work together as a team. You know, each knows their role, And they do it well, complementing one another. A good team. Now I'm going to take this off or it's going to get too hot up here. Um, Now, in sports, it's easy to know the goal, right? In sports, when you're playing, unless it's like curling or cricket, but most sports, you know what the goal is. uh, And the goal is to win. Get more points than the other team, whatever that is. Now, what about teams not in sports? Other teams. You've been on teams, whether it's in school Um, or uh, a business team, things like that, sometimes it's hard to know what the win is. And the first thing a team needs to do is decide, where are we going? Define the win. What are we trying to accomplish? Where are we trying to go? Well, I start that to say, we are a team. I mean, we're more than a team. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. But we, the church, are a team also. And not just us as common ground, but the church as a whole, around the whole world, we are one team. That's why I appreciate Paul praying for other churches in town, because we're on the same team. We're not in competition against one another. We all want the same thing. And so we're a team. But then at a church level, we are a team. Common ground is a team, and we have a goal. We have a place that we're going. We have a vision, and that's what we're talking about today, our vision. Now, a vision is a little bit different from a mission. You know, it can be a little bit confusing, and we're doing this series to clarify some of this. Our mission, we talked about this last week. Uh, So go ahead and actually turn to Matthew 28, because that's going to be our passage today primarily as well. We're going to look at some others uh, that that complement. But in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, we see what is called the Great Commission, This is where Jesus, he had died, he had risen from the dead, he had spent uh, 40 days speaking to his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom, and he's about to leave, about to ascend into heaven, and these are some of his last words. And and if you read the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each Gospel ends with a great commission. You know, Jesus says the same thing multiple times and in different ways. He really wanted us to get it. But here's how he says it in Matthew 28 starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, 
and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That right there is the mission of the church. And each church will rephrase that mission in their own way. And here's how we've chosen to kind of rephrase that that we think is helpful to understand. Our, our mission is we are connecting people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. Now, you want more information on that? Listen to the podcast from last week because that's where we talked about that. But look back real quick again at this Matthew 28 passage. And if you're one of those people that writes in your Bible um, or highlights on your phone or whatever it is, I want you to circle a couple words. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, circle go, therefore, and make disciples. Go make disciples. We talked about disciples last week. These are Jesus followers, people who pattern their life after Jesus. And then baptizing. So what do we do as a church? Well, we, we get people to say yes to Jesus. They learn about this life. They say yes, and then we baptize them. If you've said yes to Jesus, you haven't been baptized, after the service, come talk to me because we're doing it next week. And God wants you to do it. And then circle teaching. Because the mission of the church isn't just getting converts. It's then teaching people how to live this abiding life in Jesus. And so we teach what God's word says, but not just teach, kind of walk through it and, and help. It's not just what I'm doing here. There's the hands-on teaching together. That's why we emphasize groups so much. And then the last one, observe. Circle that one. Observe. That could mean obey. So we aren't just teaching people to know certain things. We're teaching to follow. Jesus is doing something. Jesus has a mission, and he wants us to follow him into, into it. And this is big for us, and we're going to launch from here into our vision because we believe very strongly God does not want the church to be a destination. And often it's become that, hasn't it? That you go to church on Sunday, and that's religion for you. That's your spirituality. Church on Sunday is a destination. But the church is not a destination. The church is a sending agency. And so we're going to look now, stay at Matthew 28. The other verses are going to appear on screen. But again, if you're a note taker, take some notes in here. This is a big deal. But today I want to share our vision. Now, a vision is a little bit different than the mission. It's our way of saying, here's how we believe God is leading us to carry it out. And it's going to be different than other churches, and that's okay. Some churches have the vision to become a mega church. You can do that well. That's okay. Some churches have a vision of being home churches all over a town. That's okay. God can work in that. Neither of those are our vision. Some, you know, have a vision of being really deep. You know, some have a vision of being culturally relevant. Some might have a vision of reaching the homeless in the city. And that's kind of what they pattern everything around. And a lot of times it's not articulated, but if you're there long enough, you'll figure out what it is. We want to make ours really clear. And the reason why is we want you to know where God is leading us so you can say, I want to be part of that. Or you can be like, mm, maybe there's someplace else God would want me to be. Uh, it's kind of, I, I like this illustration. Say you get a bunch of people in a car, and the mission is to have fun at, at a, an amusement park. And so everybody gets in the car, like, we're going to go have fun. We're, we're going to go to an amusement park. Same mission. Most in the car are like, we want to go to Disneyland. Well, if you want to go to Disneyland, then you can talk about how to get there, you know. But somebody else in the car is like, well, I want to go to Six Flags. Well, that person needs to get in a different car because this car is going to Disneyland. Well, for us, we believe God is leading us a certain direction on purpose. And so I want to share that with you. And of course, it starts with Matthew 28, 28 
uh, the Great Commission there. But look with me, 1 Peter 4.10. This is going to be up here. This is a big part of who God is leading us to be. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here's the point of this. And this is one verse. It's reiterated. This is Peter. It's reiterated by Paul. Uh, Jesus talks about it. It's all over the New Testament. But you are supernaturally gifted in some way. You might not realize it. You might not be able to pin it down. But you have abilities that God is empowering or wants to empower to do things for him. Every Jesus follower is to be active in serving others. That's the truth. The gospel is very clear. Paul talks about the body of Christ. You know, and the body, you need all parts to work fully, right? You know, if your right foot decides not to work, you're going to have an issue. Even your right toe, right? I, I mean, just I hear about people who lose their, their big toe and they have trouble balancing. Uh, then you have like the appendix, which it probably does something, but we don't know what it is. And there are people in the church like that too. Um, but we, we, my point is we, we all have a role God has empowered, and I'm not saying who in here is the appendix, um, but, but we all have a role and, and part of that for God to use to accomplish something. We talked about this some last week. Uh, the average, really any organization, but the church as well, has kind of an 80-20 rule. 80% of the people do 20% of the work. The problem with that is God has empowered every individual to do something uniquely, and if we do that, we miss out on what God wants to do. Uh, here's another stat uh, of the average American church size is about 80 people. The reason why is because that's about how many people one pastor can serve if he works himself to the bone. But again, that's not God's plan. God's plan isn't for professional Christians to do the ministry. It's for each one of us to do the ministry, to be part of what he wants to accomplish. So how do we do that? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. This is now Paul talking, and he's talking about some of these gifts, and he's referring specifically to leaders in the church, and he tells us what to do. He says, and he gave some as apostles. He gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. This verse here is a very helpful verse for church leadership. What's your role? It doesn't say your role is to do everything. You know, a lot of times people will come to a pastor and say, I have a vision for this, and you should go do it. The right answer is, you have a vision for that, then God probably wants to use you to do that. And so wise leadership is often giving things away or helping empower others to accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. That's what we see in, in Ephesians there, to equip the saints. Now, that word saints has been kind of messed up in church tradition you know, a saint is someone, oh, that person is a saint. They're, they're super great. Um, you know, you go to the Catholic saints, they have to work a couple miracles or, you know, whatever that is. Biblically, New Testament, a saint is every single believer. The Bible doesn't single out saints within the body. Every single person who has surrendered their life to Jesus as Lord is called a saint. So if that's you, you're, you're a saint. That's how God views you because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. His blood has covered your sins, which means this great exchange has taken place. You move from sinner to saint. Do we still sin? Absolutely. Do we struggle with that? Absolutely. But when God looks at us, he sees the holiness of Jesus. 
Wow. That's why God can look at you and say, you are a saint. Not because you've earned it, but because I made you that way. Because through Jesus, you, it's awesome. So, so that's a saint. So the role of the church leadership is to equip the saints to do the work of service. Now, sometimes leadership can get to the point of like, okay, we don't do anything, we just teach. That's not quite right either. This idea of equipping is, is we're going together. I made coffee this morning. So if you were in the volunteer room and you're trying the coffee and you like how strong it is, you're welcome. Um, but, but so we, we serve and we go together, but that's what we do. So we equip so that we're all fulfilling our role within the church. That's a big part of who we are. So the church is to train each Jesus follower to grow in Christ while actively serving others and engaging in the mission. This has been part of our vision from the beginning. And this is why sometimes I make you uncomfortable. Because if God isn't using you, you're going to get a little bit uncomfortable. Or you're going to get fired up of, okay, what does God want to use me for? And that's on purpose. Okay, now another, another how question. Well, how do we equip the saints? You know, how does God do this? 2 Timothy 2, 2 is helpful. This is written by Paul, the first great missionary, which we're getting back to Acts in two weeks, and we're going to start seeing Paul's missionary journeys. It's really exciting. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. But in 2 Timothy 2, 2, after Paul has planted some churches, set up elders and leaders and pastors in some of those churches, he writes this letter to a, a, a church, a young, a young man who is pastoring one of the churches he planted. And he says, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... And trust these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And the New Testament lays out to women are to do this as well. So this isn't just men. This is men and women. Those of you who belong to Jesus, you learn and then you teach others to teach others also. So the idea is to think generationally. If you're a parent, you, you've probably done this some. Not only do you think about raising your kids, but you think about your kids are going to raise kids. And so are you teaching your kids how to not only be godly adults, but then to be godly parents as well? We think generationally. And so for us, what does that look like? It means we're, we're attempting to replace ourselves. So not only are we using our gifting and serving, at the same time, we're teaching others to do that too. And, and you may say, I don't have the gift of teaching. It doesn't matter. You, you might not. But you have the gift of service. I mean, this morning I made coffee. And you know who I taught how to make coffee? Kayla, because Kayla, um, one of our daughters, she's 14, uh, Kayla is hospitable. You know, that's kind of who she is. She needs to know how to do those things. And so as I was making coffee, she was learning how to make coffee. So later, I won't have to make coffee. She gets to make coffee. And, and it's that way in every role. So we have teachers teaching our kids, doing a good job. And then we have helpers in there also learning how to teach kids so that then they become teachers and then as, see how this works? That's what God wants to do in his church, that we serve and we teach others, we bring others alongside with us. I don't want to spoil Acts because it's really good, but I'm studying for five weeks from now or so in these early missionary journeys. Whenever you see Paul and these early church leaders, they're going, they always have somebody else in tow. A younger believer, a newer believer, they always have somebody they're training up so that they can you know, leave them to do what they were doing or send them out to do what they were doing. That's what the church is to do. So now let's add these passages together. Our mission is to make disciples, which are Jesus followers. So we see it this, say it this way, connecting people to the abundant life, only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. That's our role. 
And each one is gifted uniquely to contribute to that. You might think you're not, but you are. And while contributing, we raise up others to do it as well. What if we did this? What if every single one of us did this? What would happen? We would have a problem, a really good problem. We'd have so many people serving and like, hey, I want to serve. Well, we can get you on the schedule in two months because we have so many people. We would have a problem, a good problem, because then what we would need to do is we would need to create more roles. We need to start new ministries. We need to reach new people. Whatever that might look like, uh, prison ministry. Maybe some of you have a heart for that. Um, I was speaking to somebody in an assisted living facility recently, and they said, the one thing I'm really missing is a church community. We're we're here and we get some stuff, but but we're missing the community. Maybe somebody here is called to, to lead a team into some of our assisted living facilities to help bring that community connection there on a regular basis. You're gifted. There's something, and we are all called to use it, to take it somewhere. So again, adding these together, we do it. We're going to start spreading out. Guess what? That's not an accident. That's God's plan. You know, when Jesus gets a heart of someone's, gets a hold of someone's heart, this is kind of what he does. You know, think about it. What, what did God do for us? I mean, it's the gospel. Jesus came in flesh died on the cross and said, I know you're a sinner. I know all the things you did. Those things you think are secret, they're not secret to me. And Jesus said, but I love you anyway. Went to the cross, paid the penalty we deserved that we couldn't pay, took the sins of the world on his shoulders. You know, we celebrate this on on, uh, Good Friday as we do the stations of the cross. It's gonna be great. You gotta come to that too. But you see the weight, and we never will really grasp the the, the weight of what Jesus did on the cross. He took all of your sins and mine, which are plenty, and everybody else's, so that then he could give us his righteousness and life. Then we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, meaning guaranteed salvation forever. We're given the Holy Spirit to start living this abundant life. And as we learn to abide, which is part of this whole process, we enjoy this life that God has given us. It's a great life. We've talked about that word life. Go look in the past couple weeks podcast if you missed that. But we go, and then inevitably what happens is I have all this blessing, not always material blessing. I have all this blessing from God. I have to share it. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we're going to be doing forever. And the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what happens if Jesus gets your heart. You fall in love with him. Then you start loving others. And it feels a little weird sometimes because you'll start caring about people you don't think you should care about. You'll start loving people that are maybe kind of unlovable. You'll get a heart to go. It's just weird what God will do. That's natural. That's what God does in us. And, And we as a church, Common Ground, we know that's what he wants to do and we don't want to just passively see it happen. We want to actively be involved in what's happening. We want to join God and what he wants to do not because we're unique or smart or anything like that, but because that's God's plan. God works through his people, not around them. We say it this way. It's written on that board. We're plan A, and there is no plan B. Do you know that? We are God's plan A to change the world, and there is no plan B. God wants to use you. And you may look in the mirror and go, he needs to choose somebody else. He said, nope, I choose you and other people. So again, 
what's his plan? We go through, Jesus shared it in Acts 1.8, which we've looked at every week for some months. But in Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. This is another, like the last thing he says before he ascended. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is God's plan. I'm going to save you. I'm going to empower you. What's that empowering? These are the spiritual gifts that God gives. Um, And don't get hung up on spiritual gifts. If there's something unique God wants you to do, he'll empower you to do it. And so he has this plan starting in Jerusalem. This is where the, the church started, Jerusalem. Then Judea. Then Samaria, then Carson City, Nevada, the the ends of the earth. It starts at home and it spreads outward. They didn't even know we were here or they didn't even know this area of the world existed then. And the gospel has come here. Thank the Lord they were faithful to do what he said. That's why you and I now can enjoy life in him. And I think that, that vision is the same for us. It starts at home and then it spreads out. You know, our Jerusalem, Carson City, our, our Judea, you know, Carson Valley, Nevada, you know, spread it out. That's God's plan. And so here's, no, that's, that's good. I like it. <laughs> that's okay. Here's, here's our vision. Here's how we have decided to state it, and it's written right there on the wall. We are fueling a movement of God's people, surrendered to his mission wherever he places us. This is what we're about. The mission and the vision go together. But we are fueling a movement. That fueling, that's the equipping. That's the the helping people connect to Jesus for the first time. They're they're being saved. They're finding life in him. And then we're teaching them how to obey, how to enjoy that life, and then kicking them in the butt a little bit, right? I need that. We need that. A little bit of a kick of move. So we are fueling a a movement. And we we state this because the church has a, a habit, any organization does, of moving in as time goes on. We just do. We get comfortable. I like you guys. I don't know if I like the other people. You, you might like some, You know what I mean? And so we get we, us four and no more. Or, or a holy huddle. There's other spiritual ways to say it. But, but you know, we, we get stuck in. But God wants to be a movement because there's other people he wants to save. There's other people he wants to give his life to. And so we say it right here. We are a movement of God's people, not of common ground right? Uh, Not of our unique brand, not of our denomination or anything like that. We're a movement of God's people, meaning we're, and we're going to talk about this some next week, we're passionate about other churches being successful. There might be a time where some of you might be sent to another church in town to help them grow and do That's awesome because we are a movement of God's people, you know, not just common groundians or whatever, surrendered to his mission. This is an important part of our vision, surrendered. Surrendered to his mission. It's this idea, I like when, when Paul says it sometimes, that we give Jesus our yes before we know what the ask is. You know, we say, yes, Jesus, what do you want? I say, yes to you. And then he tells you what it is. Oh, maybe not that. We give him our yes, meaning we're surrendered to his mission. Wherever. So he gives you a heart for something. You've already said yes to him. That's where you go. You have a heart for a certain people group or, or to give somewhere. God's going to lead you there. So we're surrendered to his mission wherever he places us. In Mark 138, this is Jesus. 
And then we don't have this one up because uh, I just added this yesterday. <laughs> but we have a tendency as a church, and again, as any organization, to gather, right? Uh, we, or we gauge success by how many people we can fit in, gather together. Jesus was really good at gathering a crowd. How many people did he feed on that mountainside with just a, a little bread and a little fish? 5,000? You know, plus he, he could gather a crowd. And so Jesus did that. He gathered a crowd. And the crowd came, and, and they're like, this guy's great. He gives us food. You know, and they, they would come around Jesus. Well, the next day comes, and all these people are looking for him. And the disciples are like, hey, the crowd is coming back. And he says, you know what? Let's move on. Think of, that's a little bit countercultural to the church. You know, he's like, I got the crowd, but I got to go somewhere else. And this is what he says in Matthew 1.38. He says, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that's why I came. He came for a movement to spread it. There's more people that need to hear, to, to go. That's his vision. And then he says this, as the Father sent me, I send you. Meaning this vision Jesus had for those people over there, he's given that to us too. So, so for us as a church, there needs to be in our vision, where next? Where do we need to go? Who needs Jesus? What does that look like? So here's in your notes, Jesus saves us and then sends us. Jesus saves us and then sends us. <laughs> so back to the, the football analogy, I remember, I, I think it was even that, that uh, homecoming game that we won eight to se or seven to six. Our locker room talk, you know, you remember those, those speeches that people give. We came into the room, and we all sat down in the chairs, and the coach rolled in a TV. This was, way, this was a long time ago. Big tube TV on the, maybe you remember that. They rolled in the TV with the VCR <laughs> and, and put in the tape, and he pushed play. And what popped on was Braveheart, if you remember Braveheart. And it was the scene where, where they're all painted up, and they're wearing the kilts, and they're charging each other, you know, screaming. And he just showed this battle scene. And then the battle collides, and there's, you know, arms chopped off and whatever. I'll keep it PG. Uh, awesome scene. He shows that scene, and then he pushes stop and opens the door. That was the best locker room talk we ever had. I mean, I remember on the kickoff, the first kickoff, and I'm like, yeah. And then I, and then I get running really fast. I'm like, that guy's really big. Um, but the, the picture, so church, it's kind of like that locker room talk. This time, now this time is extremely valuable because we're worshiping. God shows up here as we sing, as we open his word. This is very important, but this isn't the game. This is part of the game. The game is played out there. This is the locker room talk. This is where we learn, right? you know, we go through the game plan, we get pumped up, and then we go play the game out there in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids, where we live, where we work, where we play. That's where we go play the game. God wants to live in and through you there, not just here. Here, yes, but that's where it's carried out. And so that's God's vision. That's God's plan. Back to Matthew, if you're still turned there, what does he say? He says, go make disciples of all nations. Go. That word is really, literally, as you go. Meaning, in the life you're already living, God has you there on purpose. As you go, make disciples. So, are you in school? Who's around you? Are you at work? Who's around you? You live in a neighborhood? Who's around you? God has placed you in all these places on purpose. 
as you go, make disciples. And for most believers, I believe God wants to use you most wherever that is. But then also maybe joining a team with a specific mission in a community. Like I said, maybe it's prisons. You know, maybe it's kids at school, homeless kids at school. I, we can go down the list. There's many that God would have for you. But for some of this, because the church is a sending agency, not a destination, we're all sent. That means some of us are going to be sent. That means for some of us, we're going to get a heart for Costa Rica or Africa or California. Or, I mean, go down the list. God will give us a heart. That was not a joke. <laughs> God will give us a heart and then send us. And I don't want to spoil next week because it's going to be great too, but one of our values here is sending capacity, not seeding capacity. Our success, success is not measured by who we can gather, but who we can send. And again, not send away, like this is still home base, but for some of us, it is send away. We believe in this community, we need more churches. We believe we need churches in communities that don't have them yet, meaning we think God wants to use us to be part of that. And we might partner with other churches that are, it might be us in partnership with others planning, and some of you may go, oh, yeah, God wants us to be part of that. And for us, that'll be hard because we love you. But that's part of the mission God has for us is to send. And so with that in mind, here's a little plug for something I'm starting. I'm starting a preaching lab. If you've been here long, uh, you've heard Preston teach. He's pretty darn good. Uh, you've heard Paul. You've heard Alex. We already have a rotation of teachers. But we want to we equip. I want to train up even more teachers so that we have too many. And we need to start sending them out. There are, I remember when we planted Common Ground years ago and I met with another pastor in town. And he said, I just can't take a Sunday off. I don't have anybody else to plug in. Well, what if we had people we could plug in? You know, we could help other churches in that way. God wants to use this. We need more teachers. So if you're interested in the preaching lab, go on your app. You can check it out there. Go on the website, or you can go to the info table, and there's information there. You can learn about it. And that's just one area. That's, that's kind of one of my areas of responsibilities. But there's lots of others. We need more people in kids. We need more people making coffee. Every area, we need to grow. And so I kind of want to end with, with that right there. You know, we're a, a battleship, not a cruise ship. And our mission is we are fueling a movement of God's people. Surrender to his mission wherever he places us. So where has he placed you? Because it's time for all hands on deck. It's 2021, and God is still working. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, as we look at the Great Commission there, I'm still encouraged by how you begin it and how you end it. Jesus, you say all authority has been given to you, N not to us. You carry out your authority through us often, but you're the one in authority. And then you end it by saying, and by the way, I'm going to go with you wherever you go, always till the end of the age. So you, you send us, but then you go with us. God, that is so comforting. I thank you that it's not up to our creativity or our intelligence but rather it's really up to us just following you. And so Jesus, we ask for you to lead us. Holy Spirit, lead us. We surrender. Our hands are up. We surrender. We say yes. And Holy Spirit, I ask in this room, there are some of those that they might have a heart. You might want to send them. Maybe it's one person coming to mind. Maybe it's a school nearby that you want to use them to, to tutor. I, I, we can go through the list. 
But God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir some hearts today, that they would get a vision for where you want to send them. God, what you want to do in and through us, and it's all for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm